You all know I've become obsessed with habit tracking. Have you listened to my How to Build Habits That Stick episode? It's episode 160, and I talk about Operation Glow Up, which is my tracking board right next to my bed. If not, definitely go take a listen. I started tracking my daily movement to hold myself accountable, and to my sweet surprise, I was actually able to average around five workouts a week for the entire month. Anytime I missed a day, I would circle it with a big fat circle and wrote a specific reason why I missed it to see if there were any patterns. Well, in not so shocking news, every time I missed a day was due to being hungover. I'm 31 and hangovers knock me out for a days at a time now. After several rounds of snoozing all day Sunday and being absolutely useless, developing anxiety shakes and a sense of dread whenever the hangover was about to exit my body, I knew I needed to make a change. So I started frantically searching for booze-free cocktails. I was very picky about finding ones that I liked, and eventually Curious Elixirs caught my eye. Why? Well, the flavors, the packaging, the branding, and most importantly, the quality ingredients that go into each bottle. That's why I'm so excited to partner with them as an official sponsor of this episode. I loved Curious Number 1 when I first tried them, and now they have a new addition to the family Number 7. Curious Elixir number seven is their booze-free champagne cocktail riff on the French 77 and the perfect companion for celebrations large and small. I'm talking spring break, summer weddings, or just a Friday night in. It contains elderflower and lavender to help you unwind and a medley of other high quality factors like no gluten, caffeine-free, organic, no refined sugar, no preservatives, no sulfates or filler, and herbs and adaptogens. I mean, what more could you ask for when trying to replace the booze? I have so many events coming up, and I definitely plan to swap out my endless vodka sprites for a pack of Curious Elixirs. You can try them for yourself by heading to the link in my show notes, and you'll get $10 off an order of $50 or more by using the code RIFE22. Tell me what you think when you try them. Cheers and stay curious. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. If you've been listening for the last six months, you know I changed my music in summer. And so if you heard the music this episode, you're probably like, wait, she used to talk in the intro. What happened? Well, I feel like the podcast is evolving and I'm talking a lot more about travel and business and entrepreneurship. And I'm going to start introducing more topics around dating and relationships and wellness and sex. So basically, the topics that I mentioned in my intro are still relevant, but some of them aren't. So I feel like I need to just record a new topics audio and layer that over the music. So right now, that's why you're not hearing those words in the beginning. So I'm curious to hear from you. Like, what do you think of when you listen to this podcast? What topics do you think of? I would absolutely love to know maybe like your top three descriptive words of in my non-expert opinion. You can DM me at Chelsea Rife or email me info at ChelseaRife.com. I would love, love, love to hear. So you all know I've been talking a lot about reframing our relationship to social media, 
really kind of investigating if we need to be putting that much energy into certain platforms and why are we on it? And I know if you follow me on Instagram, you're probably like, Chelsea, you've been posting a lot. Like, I don't know why you're talking about reframing your relationship or getting off. I've seen you be posting reels and graphics left and right. Well, first and foremost, I never said I was getting off of Instagram. I said I was reframing my relationship to it. So here's how I've done that. I now treat Instagram as a third priority platform, meaning everything that's on it usually came from another platform before, which is my podcasts or my writing. And when I say writing, it's usually emails or I'll write for myself or I'll write what I think is going to turn into Instagram copy or something, a podcast. And then I'll just take that content and put it on Instagram. So when I'm now posting on Instagram, I'm not starting from a blank page of like, okay, well, you know, today, what do I have to post about? Hmm, I have this course coming up, but I want to talk about this funny thing that happened this weekend, but I still want to share photos of Cabo. It's like, no, I know what I'm going to post because I've probably already talked about it on my podcast or email, or maybe I am feeling like sharing a more personal story or a funny picture from Cabo. So that's how I'm using Instagram now. And I'm writing the energy levels when they're high and I'm resting when they're low. I learned that I am a person that runs in highs and lows. I'm not a consistent neutral energy level. I don't think any of us are. I think all of us are very cyclical. And I'm not someone that can like, just because it's Monday through Friday, be posting because it's a business day. I have to be able to listen to my energy and be like, okay, I actually have a lot of energy this Saturday. Maybe I'm going to batch a bunch of reels and then I'm going to post them throughout the weekend and week. And then I'm going to rest. So that's really how I've been using Instagram now is following my energy and again, not treating it as a blank page every single time I log on. Now, if you look at the title of this episode, we're talking about actually getting off Instagram and I find this topic fascinating. There's a part of me that does kind of wish Instagram would shut down and we could run our businesses elsewhere. And to be able to talk to someone that has actually not only started their business off of social media, but kept it off social media and is sustaining it, that's pretty incredible to me in a world that is obsessed with social media. So today's episode, I sit down with founder of Softer Sounds podcast studio, Amelia Ruby, and we talk about that. We talk about why she got off Instagram, how, because I know you're wondering, how is she running a business? Like, how is she getting clients? How is she connecting with people? I think for me, that's my fear is like, I'm going to lose my connection to people. I'm going to lose connection to my friends and family, my clients, potential clients, people that I've met while I travel. So that's a reason for me why I haven't really gotten off Instagram. So to be able to talk to someone who explains how they've been able to keep those connections, I think is really, really cool. So she gives us very practical tips. She gives us very honest insights into her income, what's been impacted by getting off social media, how she plans to run her business, and what you can learn from this whole experiment of trying to run a business off social media. There's so much wisdom and knowledge dropped on here. So if you've been feeling a pull to either maybe get off a certain platform or just spend less time on it, I think this episode is really going to help you understand exactly how to do that. What's really interesting too is Amelia also works in podcasting. So we talk about how her podcast has helped her run and sustain her business and the opportunities it's brought her. So I know you guys always hear from me talking about how amazing podcasting is and how much I love it, but to be able to hear from someone else that has now taken their business off social media and uses podcasting as a tool, 
you're going to understand why we're obsessed with podcasting. Now, if you want to start your own podcast, I have two spaces open for one-on-one coaching right now, and then I'm shutting down enrollment until July. I'm going on a big, big trip in July, which I'm so excited about. And to be honest, I am not sure what my schedule is going to be because I've never been to some of the places I'm traveling. So I don't know the Wi-Fi situation. I don't know how quiet things are going to be. I don't know my schedule yet. So I'm really just holding off on making any hard plans for July right now until I get settled over there. I'm going to South Africa for a month and then I'm going to Europe for three months. So I need to figure out my bearings. I need to make sure that I understand where to go to record, when I can talk to people, what time zone I'm in. So because of that, that's why I'm not going to take on any more clients until hopefully July. But again, we won't know until I get there. So if you want to launch your podcast or grow it or monetize it with strategy and while having fun, then one-on-one is definitely for you. I've helped clients not only launch and sustain their podcasts, but help them unlock new revenue streams, go after new job opportunities, start finding their voice and confidence, and even monetize in ways that you wouldn't traditionally think of. So if this sounds like the type of support you're looking for, you can head to the link in my show notes where you can fill out an application or go to my Instagram at Chelsea Rife and DM me if you want to chat about it. And we can always hop on a quick call as well. I'm so excited to help a few more one-on-one clients And I'm very stoked for you to listen to this episode so you can hear why I'm obsessed with podcasting and why so many people like Amelia are as well. All right, without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. We have an incredible, incredible person on today. I am so excited to talk to Amelia Ruby, PhD, author, educator, podcaster, speaker, the founder of Softer Sounds. Welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks so much for having me, Chelsea. I am very excited to share some non-expert opinions today. I can't wait, except I'm like, you're actually an expert because you have a PhD. (laughs) So let's just throw that out there. Um, It's really interesting because I found your podcast almost in divine timing because I've been trying to articulate what I feel about Instagram and social media and the disconnect I'm feeling, but then also feeling like I need to stay on it to run my business. And I've been getting really passionate talking about it on my podcast. And sometimes I feel like I don't articulate it well. And then all of a sudden off the grid came into my life. And I was like, okay, whoa, Amelia is explaining (laughs) this in a way that is kind of what I'm thinking, but in a much more articulate way. And you made some incredible points. So let's just kind of rewind for a second Tell us how you got into podcasting and how did Softer Sounds develop? Yeah. So thanks for, first of all, thank you for all those kind words about Off the Grid. It's been so fun. And this podcast has already gotten like such good responses. Um, I can tell I really hit a nerve of like people are feeling this way. And I'm excited to explore that with you today. But backing up, how did I get into podcasting? Um, I learned to podcast when I was DJing for a community radio station in Chicago. I was an on-air DJ. I played music in the mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. And one day I got an email from the station manager and she asked if I was interested in helping out with the features department. And I had no clue what that meant. (laughs) I was like, I don't know, I guess. She was like, you'll get to interview bands. And I was like, cool, sounds fun. Um, And they made me the assistant director of the features department. And then I discovered I would have to make a podcast. (laughs) I was like, 
okay, well, I don't know how to do that. Um, so the the production team there trained me in podcasting. I learned, you know, how to use Audacity and how to use the studio we had in-house as well as do field recordings. And it was really fun. And so I ran that artist interview podcast, shout out to Chirp Radio for a couple <laughs> years. I got to go to music festivals and talk to people. I got to have local artists into our studio. It was really fun. Um, and then after that, I transitioned in, I guess, well, as I was doing that in late 2017, I started editing audio, honestly, for friends who like had podcasts, but needed an editor. And I was like, cool, this is like, just a little bit of cash on the side of everything else I was doing. You know, I would literally do it like in bed late at night, be like, all right, let me listen to this interview and like cut this tape for <laughs> my first client was my best friend from college. <laughs> so um, that's how it all started. And then I did kind of freelance work alongside school and other jobs up until last year. And in June of 2021, I quit the part-time job that I um, had at the time, my kind of last vestige of all of my work. Um, and I launched Softer Sounds full-time in July of 2021. So I guess my baby's like nine months old now coming oh to gosh. term. <laughs> um, and it's been great. Like Softer Sounds is my full-time gig. I produce podcasts for creatives and entrepreneurs. I work primarily with women and I am really happy to be producing and editing some amazing, amazing shows at this point. Um, and I guess I forgot in all of that story to share that I also launched my own podcast. That's like a crucial piece of this, LOL, <laughs> that I totally didn't mention. Um when I was in grad school and working for the radio station and making shows for other people, I was like, I really want to integrate all of this into my own thing. And I really want to be traveling more. And so I kind of downloaded this idea to launch a podcast where I'd travel around the US and interview feminist activists and artists. So I crowdfunded that whole project and it became a podcast called 50 Feminist States. I raised I think, just over $13,000 on Kickstarter. I traveled to over 20 states in the US and I interviewed people where they worked and lived and organized and I road tripped all of it. It was so fun. <laughs> um, I loved, loved running that podcast and I learned so much along the way. Um, and I flew out to do the last season about two days before the pandemic shut everything down in the US. And I took myself straight home. <laughs> and um, the podcast kind of kept going for another year or so, but never really recovered. And I ended it last fall. Um, but that was really like a big part of my experience with podcasting. And um, I'm excited now to be back with Off the Grid because it's my first original show since I kind of ended and grieved that other podcast I loved so much. So um, yeah, it's a really nice, uh, lovely spring moment for all of us. It feels like for me, at least. Oh my gosh. I got chills when you were talking about your travel podcast because yeah. you just shared an example of the opportunities and doors that open when you have a very incredible idea and you want to use your voice, but you also want to lift up other people's voices yes. and people got behind that with the crowdfunding. Yeah. I don't think I've actually ever heard of someone crowdfunding a project because in a way it could seem like, oh, it's just a personal project. I want to travel help me travel. But it's like, actually, no, this yeah. isn't about me. Can you explain where the crowdfunding idea even came into your mind? Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure if I remember this correctly. Um, I around the same time I was thinking about the podcast launching that podcast, I read Amanda Palmer's book, The Art of Asking. 
Mm-hmm. And in that book, a central part of that book is her like million dollar Kickstarter campaign to pr- like release and self-release an album or indie release an album. And at that point, like when she published the book and when that happened, that was the biggest Kickstarter campaign that had ever happened. It was such a huge thing. And she talks throughout that book about how to ask for people to support your dreams, like not just your needs, but your dreams. And it was, the book was just so influential for me. And it really, I think gave me so much permission and confidence to ask people to support this project that I was working on. And I think alongside, like, that's how I kind of got the idea. But alongside that, there were kind of two other factors, I think. So I was launching that podcast, I think in 2017, 28, early 2018 also. And so it did kind of coincide in the US where I live. And the, the podcast was specifically like 50 feminist states visiting 50 states. You know, it definitely coincided with people's outrage at everything that Trump was doing here and people's desire to really like hear from and uplift feminist activists. And I talked exclusively to grassroots organizers and artists. I prioritized going to so-called red states in the US because I really wanted to show that like feminism is everywhere and we do a lot of disservice by not paying attention to it or like writing off certain states in the US as like too conservative, like, like no one would care. So I think like people really got behind that mission. Um, and then the other piece that actually like ties perfectly into all the off the grid stuff is that I had been doing a lot of community organizing and volunteer work and care work for years before I launched that project. So when I looked at who donated, it was truly like everyone, everything I had like poured into other people's dreams they poured right back into mine. And it was so uplifting and encouraging. And like, oh, I like want to tear up just thinking about it because it was so, um, so beautiful. Oh, my God. Well, thank you for sharing. I think that's, you know, another testament to generosity. Mm-hmm. And, you know, putting your heart and soul into something people will pretty much always in return try to help you out and make your dreams come to life. So yeah. thank you for that story and that book recommendation. I feel like we need to drop oh, yeah. that into the show notes. So you start Softer Sounds and it sounds like you, you know, you love what you're doing. You have the background. Clients are coming in. What did you ever think, okay, maybe social media needs to be a main part of driving traffic or what was your experience or relationship with social media when you launched Softer Sounds? Yeah. Great question. So, um, I guess I'll back up a few months before I launched Softer Sounds because um, I did something that really changed that like the answer to the question about like, did I ever think about social media for Softer Sounds is no, but there's a reason for that. Mm. Um, So something that hasn't come into this story yet, and I share this on episode two of Off the Grid, so I'll abbreviate it here. But if people want the full story, they can go there. Um, In fall of 2020, I released my first book. Um, I had self-published it in 2018 and I got a book deal and I was all excited and I was like, yeah, book deal. And I put a lot of energy into growing my Instagram account, my platform, like my followers um, to try to make my book a success. That was like what everyone said I had to do was like get more Instagram followers. so My book would be successful. And that was expensive, honestly. Like I invested in strategists and courses and photos and like all these things was expensive. 
financially. And then it was way more expensive energetically. And by the end of 2020, I was just feeling like I didn't want to be on Instagram anymore. And I didn't know what to do about that. And this was all pre softer sounds. So I was running um, my handle, my account that's still live was Amelia Joe Ruby. And I basically had like a little kind of influencer educator business going. I taught, <clears throat> I sold my book. I sold cute little products like calendars and stickers <laughs> um, with mantras from my book on it. I sold, um, I taught this selfies for self-love course that I sold on there a couple times a year. Um, so it was a very like part-time side hustle, I guess. I don't like that word, but like, it's just something I was doing on the side. It kind of supplemented other income. And like, that was what I was growing through my platform. And by the end of 2020, I was like over it. Um, so I decided from that vantage point, like my personal life and my sort of personal profile or personal platform profile. I don't even know how to think about it. It wasn't personal, but it was like just me. I was the face of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided that I needed to leave Instagram. Like, and this is what I walked through in that podcast episode, but the two big things were like, it was not energetically aligned for me anymore. It was really like, I like to say, like, I felt like Instagram was forcing me into this codependent relationship with it. I was super anxiously attached to it. And I did like so much therapy and other work in my life to get out of codependent relationships with humans that I was like, (laughs) I was like, I am not doing this with an app. Like, no. So there was that. And then there was just a real um, values misalignment for me. I was like, Instagram is all about surveillance and selling us things. And my personal work is all about like liberation and like finding personal power and community power. And I was like, this is so not aligned anymore. So I decided to leave Instagram myself at Amelia Joe Ruby handle um, in early 2021. And I left the platform on April 9th. So when I was planning to launch my business, I was like, this business will never go on social media because that's like, because I don't do that anymore. And then it kind of became a like a almost not quite a pillar, but it is like a piece of the business, like that we are not on social media. And I realized that people asked me about that all the time. Like <laughs> I used to joke that like in 2020, like in 2021, I like defended my dissertation and got my PhD. I moved from Chicago to Nebraska. I published my first book. I launched a company. And the only thing people wanted me to talk to me about was how I left Instagram. <laughs> That was the thing where they were like, how did you do it? None of that other stuff. They're like, yeah, whatever. People do that all the time. But leaving Instagram, like, (laughs) it was shocking. So anyway, very long answer to your question. Softer Sounds was never going to have social media because I had like just, just left my personal account. And in that process, I like had created all these resources about leaving Instagram. And I was like, it would feel really weird to then just like launch a business with uh, social media. Right. Wow. That's so interesting about the part where people are like, I know you did all these other things, but how the hell did you get off Instagram? Because (laughs) I know there are people listening right now, including myself as this host, wondering, how did you do it? Like, how do you not feel like I'm missing out on not only other people's lives, what they're up to? How are people keeping up with me? Couldn't I three times my income if I was just on social media and put in the time and effort And it feels like you're missing also maybe news and events and cultural commentary. So did you ever have those fears or was it just so beyond 
like you know the point of no return you're like i don't even care anymore like walk us through the thought process of getting off yeah i definitely had those fears like and that's what kept me on instagram for a long time um I think the two like core fears for me, I mean, I journaled about this so much before I left. So (laughs) I spent a lot of time trying to figure it out. And like the two core fears I think were that I would totally lose touch with my community, both like my friends and like the larger community I built that followed my work. And I was like, if I don't have Instagram, no one will ever read or care about my work again because that's where they are. Um, That was one really big fear. And then, so it's like a community-based fear. And then the other one for me was, um, I was just afraid that like no one would ever buy anything from me again. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I like, I was just, I had this fear of like, I don't know how to have a business without social media. I don't know how to market anything without social media. Like, what do I do? Um, And I was really stuck in both those fears for a long time. So I definitely felt that way. Um, I also felt a little bit the like, how am I going to find out about things? And when I first got off social media, like that whole first summer I was off, like my partner would have to tell me when things happened in the world. I was like, I don't know. I I know nothing. Um, What's happening? And I remember there was a day where like I sent an email to my list and it was like scheduled to go out and whatever. And I had no idea that on Instagram that day, there was this like huge... Honestly, at this point, I don't even remember because like reproductive, it was yet another state in the US who was severely limiting reproductive rights. And honestly, that's in the news so frequently here. I don't know which instance it was, but I remember realizing like that my partner told me that everyone was freaking out about it on Instagram. And I was like, oh, I sent this email in the middle of that because I didn't know that was happening. And like, do people care? Like, did people unsubscribe? Like, I don't know. Um And so sure, I like had those experiences and fears and a little bit, I was really afraid of the FOMO, but honestly, it's like FOMO now is like the freedom of missing out. What do people call it? JOMO or whatever. (laughs) But like, (laughs) I, I just have learned not to care what's happening there. And also it's great. Like it doesn't impact my day and I do still follow the news. In fact, I just read newspapers and news websites now, (laughs) which I never did on Instagram, but like, right on Instagram, I just got hot takes in like pretty squares. And now I go like read an article and I understand what's happening or I listen to a podcast. I listen to a lot of news podcasts now. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of us, including myself again, forget that People ran businesses before Instagram. People found news before Instagram. There were celebrity things going going on that we could keep up with for cultural commentary in, in off of Instagram. And I think that's just such a hard concept because all of us have now made it such a part of our daily habits that it does feel, it almost feels like the same thing as if I don't brush my teeth. It's become that big yeah. of a habit where people are like, I naturally check it. It's muscle memory to just open the app and scroll. Like your thumb is literally almost built to do that now. And I think that's what people get scared of is I'm now removing myself from a a world where I built so much of my world around it, like the pictures Mm -hmm. and the reels and the videos. And I'm curious. And from a business owner perspective, I know getting off, there was clearly, like you said, an energetic and emotional and mental kind of process that you had to go through. But from Mm -hmm. a business standpoint, did you have systems in place where you're like, you know, I could get income from Instagram, but I need to have this system set up so that people can find me? Like, where are you finding clients if they're not on Instagram? That's what people are wondering. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, I've got kind of two pieces to this answer. So the first, I guess, is like, if that's your question, like I create for off the grid, I created this thing I call the leaving social media toolkit. And it really does walk through like a lot of different, there's like a five-step plan for leaving social media. And there's just a bunch of different creative marketing ideas there that are not social. So I just want to direct people to that if they want the like how right now. <laughs> um, you can find that at softersounds.studio slash by IG. Um, but I think the first thing I did when I was leaving Instagram is I made an exit strategy. Like I did not just ghost. My number one rule, I say this on the podcast all the time. My number one rule of leaving Instagram is do not ghost your community of followers. Like that is a disservice to everyone involved, um, especially to yourself. But mostly it's a disservice to you. So like, don't do that to yourself. <laughs> um, so when I was leaving Instagram, like I announced it over a month before I left and I created a bunch of content around it. I created this really great, I think I have it here, um, list of 100 ways to share your work off social media that I just turned into like a little zine. Um, and I created a resource list of, like, I was trying to move off of like all Facebook related products, Amazon related products and Google related products at the same time. So like I made a resource list of different alternatives to those that I was using um, in my life and my work. And then I wrote a lot about just my process. Like I really, I like, one of my friends says I like launched my exit, but I did. Like I had a lot of content and all of that content, all of it said, join my mailing list if you want to keep in touch with me. And I think I can never remember the numbers exactly, but I feel like I got about 10% of my Instagram followers to join my list at that point. I'll just share numbers. Why not? Let's get vulnerable. <laughs> I think my list had about 300 subscribers before I left Instagram and it has over 500 now. Um, so about 200 people followed me like when I left and I had about 2,700 followers, I guess under 10%. But like what was amazing is like those 200 people were not on my mailing list before that. <laughs> I, right. I would have assumed like all my diehards were already there and they were, right. but like, so I really did pull those people through and I cannot say enough, like you need to give it time because even though I, ha I spent over a month talking about leaving Instagram, when I was actually leaving, there were people who came to my final goodbye live and like didn't know I was leaving because <laughs> like, you know, they weren't paying attention. The algorithm didn't show them, et cetera. So that's the first thing. Like, how do you find clients when you're not on Instagram? Well, first of all, like if you have an Instagram presence, like make sure you are cat, like those people are following you wherever you're going. And I think that email list is the most obvious and straightforward place to send them. Um, there are more, you know, maybe exciting or creative things like discord communities or mighty network, or like you might have a more community oriented platform you direct them to. And that's awesome. Um, when I was leaving Instagram, I also was doing this free text message series. So I had, I was texting like over 200 people a mantra every Monday, um, which was great. And like all those people gave me their email and got on my list. So, you know, have fun, be creative. You don't, it doesn't have to be your mailing list, but I think if you're a business owner, you should have one of those <laughs> and you should be sending people to it when you leave Instagram. So that's like the first thing, like how do you find clients? Now I launch and I guess there's an intermediary before my second point, which is that like when I left Instagram, I mostly shut down the business I was running through my personal platform. I don't teach the courses I was teaching anymore. 
I don't sell products. I still promote my book a lot in all sorts of places. But something else I say on Off the Grid is like, if you want to leave Instagram, it might radically change your business. Like you might have to change your business because a lot of us built businesses based on Instagram. Like we built them based on Instagram. So you can't exit you're like if Instagram is <laughs> I'm doing all these hand motions. <laughs> but if Instagram is the foundation of your business, you can't just like pull it out and expect that your business can stay the same, right? It's not like this isn't like Jenga. Like when you change the foundation, you have to you might have to radically change your business. But that's like beautiful and wonderful too. Because part of what feels so bad for so many of us about staying on Instagram and like what feels so bad about our businesses is that we built them on this foundation of Instagram that is not aligned and feels bad. Um, so I just like to say up front, like you might not get to keep, if you want to leave Instagram or social media, you might not get to keep your business. And that's like a whole grieving process and a huge shift. And I totally understand that. But for me, it was 1000% worth it. So I went from running like you know, a more influencer-based business where I was selling lower price things and tr- to a lot of people. Now I run a service-based business where I sell higher price packages to fewer people. So where do I find my clients? Well, the first thing is I don't need as many of them as I did. And also like that influencer business I was running never actually paid my bills. I mean, maybe like paid off some of my credit cards sometimes, but it never paid my rent. When I went to start my business, I made a very clear choice. Like, do I want to try to turn that into a full-time gig? And I saw the path ahead and I was like, no, because I the only way I can do that is with Instagram and it will be really hard. So I started a totally different business. <laughs> and now I've talked for a really long time. <laughs> and um, I still haven't answered your initial question. Where do no, I find I feel like clients? it's so helpful. <laughs> so I'm about to start traveling again in July. And I'm going to South Africa, Portugal, Croatia, and Spain. And I'm getting a little nervous because I have never been to two of those places. And I also don't know anybody going. I am going on a trip by myself with a group of people I don't know for four freaking months. And I can already tell myself getting a little jittery. Fortunately, I have Open, which is my favorite mindfulness app. It's what I used last summer when I was going through a breakup and traveling. It was seriously the only thing that helped me self-soothe. When you're traveling alone, it is so chaotic, but fortunately, Open is a mindfulness studio for everyone. It's a place to come to your senses. So meditation, music, breathwork, movement, all of that's included to awaken the body and mind to bring you to the present moment. They have so many options for classes and really cool filters to find what you need, like duration, intensity, body part, music, and more. Some of my new favorite classes right now are by Minaj. He was actually on the podcast and honestly, his voice is like an angel. And I always listen to free yourself meditation and the restless night. I am a very weird sleeper. So restless night is my go-to meditation right now. Instead of hopping around to multiple apps to meditate, breathe and work out, just download open. You can find it all in one place and you can actually try it for 30 days free in the link in my show notes. So if you're trying to calm down, let go of something, forgive someone, find focus, reset, develop confidence, you can seriously find a practice around any of that inside Open. So again, head to the link in my show notes for a free 30-day trial. You've also, I think, hit a point that I think it's important for people to go do inventory of 
where are you actually finding your clients? Because for me, I had this myth that all my clients find me on Instagram because that's where they're the most active with me. We're DMing, Mm -hmm. they're responding to my stories, I'm commenting on them. So there's this, literally, it's like a fluke that, oh my gosh, all my clients are on Instagram. However, when I look at my applications, everyone Mm -hmm. says they found me from a podcast or from, from my podcast, from being on someone else's podcast, or they converted from being on my email list. When I ran Mm -hmm. my podcast launch course, everyone that converted was on my email list. There are maybe Mm -hmm. a few that the Instagram was like the cherry on top for an awareness piece, but it was never people DMing me being like, send me the link in the DMs. I want to sign up. It was always not on Instagram. So it took me a pretty long time, honestly, over a year to realize wow, I should have done that inventory a long time ago instead of this guessing game of all my clients come from Instagram. It might just be that they're the most active with you on Instagram, but they're not converting on Instagram. And I think that's what you're touching on here too. Yeah, definitely. Like Instagram, there are things Instagram is good for and things it's not. Instagram is really good for keeping up with your clients and just like feeling like you're in an ongoing friendly relationship with your current clients. <laughs> it's not good for converting new clients or getting, it's okay for getting new leads, but it's Instagram, like you need to get those new leads onto your mailing list or your podcast or somewhere else for them to convert. Like Instagram itself doesn't convert them. And when I say convert, I mean like get them to press purchase, like to give you money, like real money, not like, um, you know, money's not the end all be all, but in my business, I also need money. Um, so to that, like Instagram isn't great for that. So I think that's a, a beautiful point. And, and yeah, like most people, most business owners I know, they love talking to their clients on Instagram and they like to keep up with them there. But I think you're totally right. Like when you do that inventory, is that actually what's converting people? No, that's it's not it. So we need a lot more creative and like exciting marketing ideas for ourselves too. Like Instagram was never nurturing or nourishing to me or fun or like it was occasionally fun, but like now I do all this marketing stuff and some of it's boring and not fun, but some of it's cool and weird. And like, I just try, try things out which is a big, another piece of that toolkit is just like creative marketing experiments. Um, it's in that 100 ways list. There's all sorts of weird stuff in there. Like hire a give sign us like spinner. Three, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like one of them is like hire a sign spinner. Um, another one is like go out in your yard and yell about your business. <laughs> I'm not sure that will get you clients, but I think energetically, it's a great let us know everyone uh, sales practice. Um, and then just like make stickers and stick them places. They're not also tactile. Some of when, some of them are more like ask ten people you know to tell someone else about your business. Like because in my business, word of mouth, like hands down, winner. Every single client that's come to me has come through word of mouth. Um, and sometimes the word of mouth is like five chains away or sometimes the word of mouth I don't even know the person that they said referred me but like it's always always word of mouth yeah and I would ask my audience and listeners to think about when you purchase from someone usually it is from word of mouth you're on their email list or you read their book or listen to their podcast I was doing the inventory like vice versa too and I was thinking of like oh I follow this influencer and I've bought from her before And it must be from her Instagram. And I'm like, no, it's because she has a podcast. It's because Mm -hmm. I listen to her podcast every week. And the Instagram is just the place to comment and keep up with her in the DMs. It's not where I actually, like you said, press purchase. So I like Mm -hmm. that you pointed that out that it's not we're not saying like, you must get off Instagram 
to run your business or you need no. to stay on to run your business. It's more this conversation I feel like is for people that feel disconnected, burnt out, overwhelmed, exhausted, and it doesn't align with their values. That this is who this conversation is for. And there was something you said on off the grid, and I think it was in the very beginning where you were just talking about how Instagram was like sold to us and like mm-hmm. presented to us. Can you walk us through that that concept yeah. that you were talking about? Yeah, definitely. Um, in the first episode, I talk about like a number of different myths about social media. And I think Instagram and other social media platforms, they sell us this idea, sell like, psychologically, not we don't actually give them money for it. Because the idea is that Instagram is a free and easy place to market your business and that the algorithm will bring you clients or customers without you having to do any work. Like that's the that's what the myth they tell us. And then in that episode I walk through like so then we tell ourselves that Instagram is free and easy and fun and it will magically bring us customers and then the like bait and switch is like we go try to do it and it's like hard and painful and draining and it doesn't really bring us customers. So it's just like, I just think it, that's why I call it a myth. Like, I don't think it's true true for most of us um, so who are running. When I say us, I think I mean small business owners um, on the platform. Like, I just don't think it works in our favor. Oh, my God. That one resonated with me so much because I'm like, yes, that's that's the way I think of it. It's not a business expense. It's not a line item expense of yeah. I have to pay for Instagram. But I always tell people on this podcast, I used to work in influencer and content marketing for six years. And mm-hmm. my job was to keep up with the algorithms, the trends and everything. And I'm like, that guys, the reason we're seeing more ads and all these updates isn't random. Like this company has to make money somehow. They have to keep yeah. us engaged somehow. There's a new update that when you tag someone, it actually DMs them to alert them that you tag them. It used I to noticed. just be notification. Now there's the invite collaborator and that's so that post can actually show up in their feed. These aren't random updates for your benefit. It's actually for Instagram to keep you engaged and get that dopamine hit of, oh my God, someone's thinking about me. Someone tagged me, someone DM me. I'm now going to stay on for another 10 minutes. That's 10 more minutes that they can serve you an ad. And I know people don't want to think of it that way, but that is how the platform works. So in your experience with Instagram as well, you know, you, you just mentioned it's this it's the myth that it's free, it's easy, it's fun, but also it it keeps evolving. Now there's reels, now there's IGTV, mm-hmm. now there's lives, now there's photos, now there's videos. It used to just be photos and it's just yeah. evolved into this crazy monster now that I feel like we can't keep up with. But why do you feel like people think that they just can't get off? Like if people are having this big of a problem, why is it so hard to just be like, oh, I'm going to delete it and find another app? I think that there is very much the sense that everyone is on Instagram and that if you are not on Instagram, you don't exist. Mm. I think that's very true. And even, you know, even the fact that as someone who's not on social media, I claimed my social profiles. I did that because of this perception that if my business is not on Instagram, people will think it doesn't exist. Like people go there for social proof and it's really scary not to be somewhere that people go for proof you exist because then they won't think maybe they won't think you exist and maybe they won't like come to your business. <laughs> um, and I also think that it is addictive. And so it's really hard to end an addiction. Like it's really hard to leave. And this is something I've experienced even in leaving um, because I did log out of my professional profiles and then 
you know, stayed off Instagram for a few months and then slowly like got back on my Finsta and then kept up with people. And then I noticed even though I follow very few people there, I would just scroll. Like the the scroll was still addictive even without any of the professional or branded wrappings, right? Like I had a Finsta where I just post dog pictures. Like I wasn't <laughs> trying to be someone on Instagram anymore, but consuming it was so addictive. And I think also for business owners, especially if you're on Instagram or social media a lot, I think TikTok is included in this, like you probably have bought things that they advertise to you. And that like in our minds further proves to us like, well, I buy things from Instagram. So other people will buy my stuff from Instagram. But I think that only works for product-based businesses that spend a lot of money on ads, right? Like the things I bought on Instagram are like girlfriend collective stuff, like so many likings, <laughs> like from these companies who spent, send a lot of money to constantly serve ads to us um, and have very like trendy product-based businesses. And I think that's one of the things that I'm hoping to unpack more and off the grid and like discover with um, and have conversations with other business owners because as a service-based business owner, I think it is much easier for me actually to leave Instagram than a product-based business or a physical retail store. Um, but there are episodes coming up where I'm going to talk to one of my favorite retail um, gurus, shiros, whatever. I don't have a good word for her. Uh, experts. <laughs> and um, we're going to walk through like how you don't have to be on Instagram or TikTok or whatever for your retail business either. And I think the biggest thing I'm just trying to get across all the time is like in your marketing, you do not have to do anything. Like there are a lot of shoulds. But there are no requirements. Like the only requirement is that you do market your business, but how you do that is up to you. And what platforms and avenues and strategies and channels you choose should be based on your values, your values, not just like what everyone else is doing or everyone says you should do. Like all I want to do with this whole podcast, I've created all these resources to just write us all a giant permission slip that we can run our businesses our own way and we can be creative and we can have fun and we can, things can be easy. What about income. I know we love transparency. We love numbers, which I so appreciate <laughs> yeah. because I will say I've been feeling this disconnect. And honestly, the disconnect for me was like my old branding. I was just like, I feel like I'm posting an old version of me on Instagram, which is energetically does not feel right. So I mm -hmm. updated my branding and I've been having more fun with it, but it still is the never ending hamster wheel of, okay, now I have to create a reel. And even if the reel goes viral, well, then I'm gonna have to create another one. And then if that mm -hmm. goes viral, it's like it just never stops. So in my mind, I'm like, I would love to either turn my Instagram into travel updates, just sharing, like you said, co coffee pics, dog pics, like yeah. just random shit that I think is interesting and then run my business offline. But I mm -hmm. have still this really hard time believing that I can make a sustainable full-time income off Instagram. So for mm -hmm. you, did you notice, I know you said your business might have to change how did the income journey go? Like, did it dip? Did it did it grow? Did it sustain? And then you found other strategies. I think that's the fear that people have is it sounds great. It sounds like there's other options, but is it going to work for me? Yeah. So I can't speak to how it changed because I, as I mentioned, I kind of really just shut down the mm -hmm. small the tiny, tiny side business I was running for my old, old profile. But what I can say 
is that I launched a business entirely without social media. So I think anyone could relaunch, like leave their business and relaunch themselves without social media. And my business is doing great, like fine, great. It's great for me. Um, What does that look like? Like I started it in July and at this point, it's March. I started in July 2021. It's March 2022. I'm pretty consistently hitting or exceeding 5K months. I expect that to continue to grow. I'm hoping to have a 10K month this year and beyond. And I think that those are really nice. Like, I don't really care about metrics, judging anyone else's metrics, but I think those are pretty like nice milestones to be hitting in your first year. A lot of people would love to be doing those numbers. And I am doing them without social media entirely. And I've made a lot of really strategic choices. So that can be the case. And those choices have been things like really focus on one-on-one services, really focus on client retention, because I don't want to need as many new leads. I do a ton of word of mouth, like marketing in the sense of I'm constantly telling people about my business. I network all the time. I cannot tell you how many like free Zoom calls I get on people, Um, like not just for discovery calls, like anyone, like I decided for the first year of my business, like I will talk to anyone who will listen to me about what I do. Um, I've done like really old school things. Like I joined my local chamber of commerce, which is a weird vibe, but has been interesting and I think is about to bring some business my way. I, um, and I've done really like new school things. Like I've done things businesses did before social media, and now I'm trying to do some exciting things they do, um, you know, that I think are the future of where marketing's headed, like private podcast feeds and, um, some really exciting, like community spaces that I'm working on that are not mighty networks or the ones we all know of so far. Um, so I think like, that's the promise I can offer is like, it is working for me. Again, you might have to change your business to leave social media, but I think it's worth it. Like it just makes you more creative and expansive and like, that's beautiful. It might make you, it probably make you raise your prices because in my experience, social media just drives them down. (laughs) Um, you might have to start speaking to a slightly different audience. Um, but for me, that's been really like exciting and empowering. Yeah. Is that helpful? I don't know. It's so sort of, helpful. I yeah. literally was just saying, like, I was thinking of all the ways that this could help people in terms of, again, people are thinking, I'm missing clients. I'm missing opportunities. I'm My business is just going to completely shut down. But I like that you've also mentioned you didn't ghost. You didn't just say, Monday, I want to get off Instagram and Tuesday, I'm off. Figure it out. You were very honest and open with your community. And I think that's something to really highlight and underline Mm -hmm. here is you need to tell people where to go and support you. It kind of goes back to the concept you were asking or talking about earlier, like asking for people to support you. I need your support off Instagram. I need you to come join my email list. Please come join my community. That's where you're going to find me. Because if you're not clear, yeah, people are going to be like, where is she? I guess she doesn't have a business. Oops, I'll find someone else. Did you ever experience that? Yeah, I was going to say, did you experience that? Totally. Like there are plenty of that sort of like parasocial network that lived around me as an influencer. Like a lot of that just fell away when I left Instagram. Like 
the people who move, there are a number of people who moved to my newsletter list and some of them still like reply to my emails or like send me notes um, that, you know, people I've never met in person, people I only knew through Instagram, but a lot of people who like, I just kept up with their lives in general on social media, like that they have fallen off. I think that, but for me, that's been okay. I, part of what was so hard about Instagram is I was so overwhelmed by how many people I had to keep up with and who felt like felt close to me because they were always keeping up with me and like loosening that and letting some of that go has really allowed me to focus in my business. And I think it just comes down to like, for me, it's been being really intentional and and experimental simultaneously. So put a lot of intention into the things I do well, and I'm always trying out some like new and different things to see if they work. But I feel like so many people are on Instagram feeling, and this was me for a long time, feeling like, I can't leave Instagram because how will anyone find me? But I spent so much time being on Instagram and stressing about it and creating for it that like I only got my email newsletter out like eh, once every other month, right? (laughs) Like I feel pretty confident (laughs) that if you like got off Instagram, like got everyone on your Instagram onto your list and started sending them a weekly message because you have time for that now that you're not on Instagram, you would make more sales like because that's just a better converting platform. Or if you got 10% of your Instagram into a Discord with you or to listen to your podcast or whatever it may be, like it's just a better use of your time as a salesperson in your business. I don't want to say like better like universally, but I just think like if we can move our intention somewhere that is a better converting, like that is statistically and experientially proven to be a higher converting channel, like it will serve your business. And then of course, yeah, you have to once then how do you figure out how to keep getting people on your email list? Well, you know, I do lead magnets. I post in a lot of free communities. That's how we met through the Holisticism Hub and North Node community, right? Like every time I post a free lead magnet on free offering Friday, I get new people on my list, right? Like <laughs> it's that kind of stuff. That's what I do now instead of posting it on Instagram. And it's working. Like it, it is working, y'all. Yes. No. I'm like furiously nodding along because I did a little experiment over winter break and everyone that listened to the show, I've talked about this at length, but I can't stop talking about how I took a break for 10 days because I was going on a family trip to Paris and Germany. And I noticed as we were planning for the trip, my brain was defaulting to that would be a pretty picture. That would be a place, a cool place to take a reel. I can't wait to take a picture of my food there instead of I wonder how the food's going to taste. I wonder what it's going to be like being around French culture. I wonder what it's going to be like to soak in the energy of being in France. I wasn't focused on that at all. I was focused on a little screen, how things would look, Mm -hmm. how my outfits would look. And I was like, this has gone too far. I need a break. Got off. Absolutely nothing happened to my Instagram. Nothing happened to my podcast listeners. Nothing happened to my followers. Like actually nothing happened. It was a break. And I told them, I did say I'm taking a break, you know, like you said, being honest and transparent. And I actually had a call with someone in the Holisticism Hub. We're both major Holisticism fans, as you can tell. And they were walking me through, you know, some of the ways they're off social media as well. And they mentioned what you said is, if you actually add up the time that you take creating content for Instagram and use that time to write an email pitch or write a weekly newsletter, you will probably not only build deeper connections with people, but have higher sales. And I was like, Mm -hmm. you know what? I'm going to try that. Instead of every day waking up thinking, what reel can I post that's going to take me anywhere from like an hour to two hours to write, draft, caption up? 
I'm going to take that time and pitch people for podcasts. I'm Mm -hmm. happy to say I have been getting locked in on podcasts. I've had people coming to me for my high ticket coaching, immediately converting. And guess what? It's more fun for me. I love talking to people like you on a podcast versus dancing, pointing to bubbles on Instagram, trying to get clients. (laughs) And I know I'm being a hater about that, but I'm like, guys, I've done it too. We've all done the pointing bubbles reels. Like no one's hating, but it is funny that you kind of zoom out and you're like, is this what it got to? Like I'm pointing to bubbles to try to convert clients instead of having genuine connections and conversations. And I'm glad that you have pointed out the ways to get off Instagram and, and find those conversions and make things a better use of your time. That's actually more fun. Yeah, exactly. I think that like, I, I can't say this enough, like your business should suit you and your marketing should suit you. So, and most of us are not suited by trying to speak one to many and broadcast all the time. Like there are people who have that skill, but it is not the majority of us at all. And it's what Instagram tries to like kind of forces you into like most of us do much better in one-on-one settings or small groups or in person or on a call, like face-to-face. And so I think the more that your marketing can suit you and your business and your offerings can suit you, the better. Like I think so many of us get really distracted and lost by um, like what we're supposed to do or these sorts of business formulas that we're trying to follow that we never tap into like, why am I doing this? And does it suit me at this point in time? So I can tell a personal story about how this just happened to me. I had this big epiphany last week. <laughs> it's not about social media, but it's kind of relevant to that. It's about marketing and deciding not to launch an offering in my business. So I've been planning all year to launch a online course that I was going to call podcast summer camp. And it was going to be like an eight weeks to launch your podcast group course. And I was like, very excited about it. Thought it was gonna be great. And I knew as the savvy business person I am that I needed to grow an audience to sell this course to. I was like, you know, I have a super tiny mailing list because I've done no work at email marketing. My one-on-one clients don't need this course because they already have a podcast with me. <laughs> so like I need to grow, I need, I need an audience to sell this to. I'm not on social media, so how am I going to get that audience? Well, I you know, created some free lead magnets, but then I have to share those somewhere. So I was like, all right, I'm going to try Pinterest. Tried it for myself for a while. I hated doing it myself. Hired someone to do it because my business was doing well. I could afford it. It was like this huge, exciting thing. still is. Um, and like, I'm really like I got like I just started really working on like this course and this plan and all this marketing. And I was like kind of. And like even launching off the grid, I was like, maybe I'll do this podcast. Maybe those people won't launch a podcast with me. And like I had all these big plans for how I was going to grow this audience so I could speak like one to many and I could launch this course, group course. And it was like a great plan. It's very strategic, like very smart, I think, plan. And I checked in with myself about two weeks ago. I started to feel really weird and drained in my business. And I was like, I am exhausted. I love doing my one-on-one client work. I love working with my clients. I love editing for them. I love strategizing with them. But I just felt so drained by everything else I was doing. And I realized that like I was not in the place to launch this course. Like actually right now, that sort of group offering was feeling draining and not nurturing to me. And I had just gone down this whole road and like you've done all this marketing and all these things. And that's fine. Like the audience growth is still good. But I think like I had to check in with myself and say, oh, I was on this 
you know, this timeline of shoulds. Like in my first year in business, I should launch a course. And I had to step away from that and be like, actually, a course is not what's exciting to me right now. My one-on-one client work is what's driving revenue in my business. Why would I like take away from that to do this other thing? And so I think that's analogous to how so many of us are just on Instagram because we should be and not paying attention to the fact that it's totally draining us from doing more or better or easier in our business. Um, And so I'm not running that course this summer. Maybe I'll do it next year. Maybe I won't. Um, I'm still sort of growing the audience for my business because it'll be nice when I want to offer the course. But it's just been a nice reminder. And I share that to say like, the most important thing, like it's your business, like design your offerings and your marketing around your what is like easy and joyous for you or like your zone of genius, if you're familiar with those, that Mm -hmm. phrasing. Um, And of course, you have to be really smart and savvy and figure that out. I don't think, you know, there's not a market for every business, not every dream, like sole offer is viable. (laughs) I'm not saying you're going to do it. It's like you, maybe you can't do whatever you want, but you can do whatever you want. You just have to figure it out. (laughs) Yes. It's a lot of trial and error, a lot of experimentation, but it sounds like you were really in tune with your mental capacity, your energetic capacity, what was going on in your business, like the health of your business to be able to launch Mm -hmm. it. Where do you think you got that? I guess it's not a foresight, but intuition. Like, did you always have that kind of, okay, this is actually not the right time. I definitely have not always had this. It really comes from a lot of experience of like driving myself into the ground and burning out and just like, a kind of a long history of like burnout and self-sabotage, to be honest, like working so hard and burning myself out and then abandoning something or totally like burning it down (laughs) because I was burnt out. And I, when I started this business, I like made a real promise and commitment to myself that I wouldn't do that because like, this is the thing I'm doing now. And I have to, um, I want it to be long-term. I want this to be a legacy business. I want this to be something I do for a decade or more. And that means I have to be in better touch with myself. And I think there are a lot of places where I learned those skills, like holisticism, like intuitive business is certainly one of them and like their whole framework for that. Um, I'm also doing an episode of the podcast soon with a friend and healer of mine named Mary Grace Allardyce, who um, we're going to talk about energetic sovereignty. And she's helped me a lot with like ritual work and energy healing to like get into a better place where I can notice that like something is wrong and I need to make a change. Um, but I think what it comes down to at the end of the day is I just really value feeling good in my business and my life. And I do because I spent a really long time feeling bad in my business and my life. I mean, I got a PhD. I went through seven years of grad school. I'm really used to feeling bad day to day. <laughs> like, but, um, but I think now I'm just like, I, feeling good is one of, one of the most important things for me in my business. I want it to feel good for me. I want it to feel good for my clients. I want it to feel good for my contractors. Like it needs to feel good for all of us. One day it'll feel good for my employees when I grow big enough for that. Like, and when you really take that seriously, like when you, that, if that's one of your core values, like it is for me, like pleasure and ease are core values in my life and my business. Like, when you have core values, everything you do should be rooted in them. And that will reshape how you make all of your decisions. I love that. I think 
if you're struggling right now and you feel disconnected to Instagram, maybe go back to what your values are. How do you feel Mm -hmm. when you're on it? Or how do you feel in your business? And do you constantly feel like you're seeking out validation from, is this right? Am I doing this right? Should I be doing this? Because when you just made your point before, that is the coaching model we're kind of sold. You have one-on-one, you have group courses and like a membership. That seems to be what everybody does. So then you're like, okay, well, great. I have my one-on-ones. Now I need to launch the course and the membership or I need to do something. And a lot of us, like you just said, maybe your energetic capacity is not built for managing a membership of 100 plus people. Maybe your energy is best used on a small mastermind with four people that you run for six months. Maybe Mm -hmm. you launch a Patreon in a community of 10 people that you make private podcasts for. I think experimenting Mm -hmm. and trial and error is going to be your best friend when you're trying to figure out what clicks. But I also think and I'm curious to hear your answer on this, ask people what they want and survey them. Like I have asked people their opinions on my podcast and my email list, et cetera. And I've noticed you, you mentioned this term zone of genius. I'm a better writer and speaker than I am video editor and content creator and short form captions. I love to speak. Mm -hmm. That's why I have a long form podcast. I love to write. That's why (laughs) I write long emails. And so I'm like, well, that's what I like doing. And that's my zone of genius. And people are resonating with it. Why am I not focusing on building a paid newsletter or paid community with a private podcast? And so for you, how do you drill down and find that zone of genius while still having fun? Yeah. So the zone of genius idea comes from this book called The Big Leap, which I don't remember the author right now, but if you- Gay Hendricks. Gay Hendricks. I literally yes. was listening to it like two weeks ago. That's why I know. <laughs> Great. Perfect. And I mean, the book is like yeah, kind of business bro and whatever. Like mm-hmm. I don't suggest it. I do not suggest this book wholeheartedly or without disclaimer. Um, my friends like to say I put disclaimers on everything I recommend, which I do, but, but there, like, I do think the zone of genius is the one genius idea in that book. And it does walk you through a whole process of how to figure out yours. And part of that is asking other people what they think your zone of genius is, which is really helpful. Like it was really helpful when I was trying to figure out mine as I started my, my business. Um, but I think like how, so yeah, I would suggest going there for advice on how to find your zone of genius. But I also think, you know, you mentioned earlier, like doing inventory, like taking a survey of what are all the things you've worked on over the past decade? What are your favorite ones? Which ones went the best? Which ones did you enjoy? How did it feel to do them? Those are like the questions you should ask, not how successful were the metrics or which ones were the most popular or got the most likes, like what felt the best to you felt the easiest felt the most joyous, like, those whatever word it will be will depend on what you want more of in your life. But like, that's how you start to hone in on the area. And I agree, like ask other people what they think your zone of genius is. Um, I'm definitely a big fan of like doing ideal client interviews of talking to people about like, what do they think you're good at? Or if they don't know you, like what types of services would they like? I think I always take them with a grain of salt because many people will spin out like a dream of an offering and then like you launch it and it's crickets, like they didn't actually want to buy it. So I, I always say like, right. ask people what they want, but then like, just take it with a grain of salt that like, don't, that doesn't mean they will buy it just because they right. said they want it doesn't mean they will buy it. Um, but yeah, I think just leaning again, leaning into what, for me, it's like, what comes easily to you. I spent a really long time trying to get better at things that were really hard for me 
instead of just leaning to the things I felt like I could leaning into the things I felt like I could do with such little effort. And that's why like similar to you, Chelsea, I love talking. Like I was a, like a four-year-old kid who would drag all my family members into the living room and sit them down and say like, let's chat. Like I just wanted to talk. That's all I wanted to do. (laughs) Um, and I'm still that way. And like, I, for me, I always say my, um, zone of genius is thought partnership. Like I love to meet with people and talk about your ideas and unpack them. And then I also, a zone of genius for me is like strategy. Like I can help you figure out the idea and I can tell you how to get from here to there successfully Mm -hmm. and help you figure out what success means in that context. Like that's what I do with my clients. That's what I love doing. And then in the big leaf, he talks about like zones of excellence and competence. Like for me, audio editing, zone of excellence. I'm excellent at it. It does not fuel me. Like (laughs) it's not like my genius place, Um, but it's something I'm excellent at so I can in my business, I know like, okay, I can build this business around audio production and editing. And over time, I will step from my zone of genius, my zone of excellence as the editor, fully into my zone of genius as the strategist and thought partner. And I will bring in someone else whose zone of genius is editing to take all of that over for me. Right. So, you know, I'm, it's like a very personal journey to figure out what it is. But once you kind of know or have a sense of your zone of genius, then you can start to build your business around that knowing, as I just shared, that like, you may not get to have your perfect zone of genius business today, but then you know what the vision is and where you're headed. And that's, that's where you are headed and you want to be headed, not where you should, quote unquote, be headed. Oh, so, so helpful. And I think what would help people too with their zone of genius, it almost feels like a joke that it comes out easy to you. That's why I feel like yeah. for me, you're, you almost feel this, this is like a money mindset thing I need to work on, but you almost feel like bad for charging people because it comes so easy to you. You're like, yes. people are really going to pay me to help them do X, Y, Z, or people really would pay me to do this because it's comes so easy. I could tell you in my sleep. That's what I feel like your zone of genius is. Yeah, that's a great example. I always, it's like, like the way I figured out my zone of genius was thought partnership is I would constantly always just like with clients or friends, just like hop on a call with them to figure out their idea. And I would always do it for free. And I'd always do it just because like it fueled me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, oh, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so yes, what's the thing that you just do like for free because it feels good to you? And like, maybe that's your zone of genius. I mean, other than like, for, you know, eating ice cream on the couch. <laughs> right. You're like, well, there Which, is competitive eating. Like, who yeah, knows? Maybe you, you could make, like be a mukbang YouTuber. Like, why not? Why not? <laughs> like, yeah, there's like, you could really be anything you want these days, guys. Yeah. There's like no shortage of occupation. So <laughs> find your zone of genius and run with it. I mean, this has been such an incredible, helpful, valuable conversation. And I just want to end with one final question that I ask all my guests. This podcast is called In My Non-Expert Opinion, and clearly you're an expert in strategy. Like you said, (laughs) your zone of genius is in strategy. But what is something you're not an expert in that you wish that you were? Hmm. Well, I don't know if I wish I was an expert in this, but I'm learning to play piano, and it just brings me so much joy. Um, I just did a lesson yesterday with someone, another Holisticism Hub member, her name's Kelsey Georgeson. And um, it was so fun. Like, I think at this stage, I'm, after getting a PhD, I like really stopped caring about being an expert because it was like (laughs) exhausting. I was like, no, thank you. Right. So now I just like, want to have fun. And I want to like play. And so the place I really want to play right now is, is on the piano. Oh, I love that. Well, 
Thank you so much for all these insights. I know people are going to obviously want to download the how to get off social media toolkit. Is that what it's exactly called? It's a leaving social media toolkit. I was about to make up a whole title, like how to get the fuck off Instagram (laughs) social media. Don't think that's me. Yeah. So where can everyone find you and support your work? Yeah. So you can find me personally at ameliarubi.com. And that's where you'll find the original list of 100 ways to uh, share your work in life off of Instagram. And then you can find my podcast studio at softersounds.studio. And the off the grid podcast is at softersounds.studio slash off the grid. Um, and you can get that leaving social media toolkit at softersounds.studio slash by IG. That's B Y E I G. Not B U I people, not by. Yeah. I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like bye bye. Like a, yeah. I always look at like an in sync moment um, is how I was thinking of it. Although I realized the challenge of speaking it aloud, <laughs> I have now figured out. But um, if you go to softersounds.studio, there's a banner at the top of the website that'll take you right there. Um, and yeah, I really, you know, I'm, as it's a new podcast, so I'm just in the first half of the season right now. But in the second half, I'd really like to answer listener questions. So if you are listening to this and you have a query of your own or you want to know my take or opinion or feelings about something related to social media and business, um, you can also go to the website and find a link to submit a voice message or send an email with your question or comment. And I would really love those. So I can include them um, in the second half of the season that'll be out in late spring and early summer. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Amelia. I know this podcast will help so many people. I really appreciate your time. Uh, Thank you. It's been great, Chelsea. OMG. I learned so much from Amelia. I know it can feel very scary to get off social media. I know I personally struggle with the thought thinking that I can just get off. And I hope Amelia walking through her very tactical strategies and honestly super insightful valuable information helped you because i think it's really important to have evidence of people who have done this successfully and i think amelia is a perfect example of someone who's done that so usually we direct everyone to instagram to go follow our guests but not today i want you to go check out her website softer sounds if you are interested in podcasting we both clearly love podcasting and she is incredible at her job so go check out her website as well Before you go, if you leave a rating and review in the month of April, you're going to be entered into a giveaway to win a pack of Curious Elixirs. Curious Elixirs are the booze-free cocktails that I've been absolutely obsessed with, and you're going to be entered to win a whole variety pack where you can try every single flavor just for leaving a review. So in order to win this giveaway, what you have to do is actually take a screenshot of your review before you send it in, because if you haven't noticed, when you leave a review, it generates a weird username. So I don't know who some of you are. So in order to be able to count for this giveaway, you definitely need to take a screenshot before you submit your review and then send it to me, info at chelsearife.com or at chelsearife on Instagram. And then I will enter you into that giveaway, which we will pull at the end of the month. Ratings and reviews are so helpful. They're literally like currency to a podcaster. So even if you don't want to win a Curious Elixirs, which who wouldn't, I would definitely appreciate your input, your feedback, and an honest review. Thank you so much for listening. I had so much fun talking to Amelia, and I really hope you learned something just like I did. All right, see you next week. 